see right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboy fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, is it he? This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the best Sunday morning football show on the air. It's the big football show with your hosts, Mac, Jack, Sonia, and two-time Super Bowl winning champion Jim Jeffcoat of the Dallas Cowboys. Good morning. Happy New Year's Eve to everyone out there, and Happy New Year's Eve to all of you here today. Good morning. Happy New Year's Happy Eve. Good morning. Happy New Year's Eve. Yes, yes. I'm not. Day. That's good enough. Eve, Eve, Eve is nighttime, Jim. Right now we're in a day. I know you're a little tired from last night, but it is Happy New Year's Eve day. Um, yeah. Real quick, I want I want to get uh, Sonia and Jim's reaction to the Cleveland Browns after twenty something, twenty one years, twenty five years, whatever it was. They have clinched the playoff spot. They're number one wild card. Uh, Joe Flacco, maybe the comeback player of the year or not. I don't know. But the Cleveland Browns defense, their running game, Joe Flacco plays good. And talk about calm, Jim. Have you ever seen a quarterback fall asleep on his bench on a sideline game during the game? I've never seen that. No. No, I haven't. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that was, that's unusual. I, yes, uh, yes. I know a lot of so, people had doubts about Joe Flacco, but I did. And I'm, I'm very excited for the Browns. All right. All right. So, Jackson, is um, the only coach right. other than Marty Schottenheimer who has um, been to the playoffs consistently uh, two years and double digit wins. He's had double. So, that's pretty impressive. Yes, it is. This it, is the first time this. since 1999 that the Browns are actually heading to the postseason. And, yes. and well, in 2020, they went, but this is the third, yeah. going the third time since 1999. Yes. There you go. Like I said, first time in 23 years. Maybe Stefanski's coach of the year. Maybe Flacco's comeback player of the year. And I know Jack is glad that the Jets got rid of him. Uh, so he says anyway. So. I, well, I don't know why we're not talking about the Cowboy Lion game. It was last night and we're going back to Thursday's <laughs> game. That's what I'm, you know. Because, I'm waiting because, for last night's game to pounce on that. That's the big news this morning, Mac. Because, Jack, I'm the one that decides what's the big news as the host of this show. Well, I'm following, pretty, I'm following, pretty, I'm following, I'm following, I'm following, and I'm not happy about Joe Well, Black we're going in chronological, chronological order, big, Jack. The Cleveland game was yeah, first. Thank you. And not only that, I think it's a bigger news that Cleveland made the playoffs than Dallas, again, maybe going to 12-5 and five as they did last year. But we're going to talk about the Cowboys coming up next here. We're going to bring a Keith Angle. Because uh, he, he comes in early with, with us on Sunday. He'll give us his thoughts on this Cowboy game, too. And listen, it was a great game. It was exciting. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, uh, C.D. Lamb, he ends up setting some records, beating Michael Irvin, who happened to be at the game. He gets a single-season mm -hmm. record for most yards received. Jimmy Johnson goes in the ring of honor. Um, you know, Detroit 
I don't know what happened at the end of the game, guys. I have no idea. I saw two uh, players walking over to the ref saying something to him, and he was kind of ignoring them or something because he kind of turned away from them. And 70 was running on the, onto the field, and I don't know what the heck he was saying. But at the end of the game, it ends up that somebody didn't report or they did report and ref didn't hear it. And there we go. At the end of the game, we have another controversy where there shouldn't be one. And great game. They make the two-point conversion. They get it called off. They go for the two-point conversion again. Michael oh, Parsons jumps in. go for the two-point conversion again, and then they miss the ball. The guy wasn't in the end zone anyway. I don't think it would have mattered. So starting with Jack, since you're so eager to get and jump into this, Jack, let's talk about it a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts were the Cowboys needed the game a lot more than the Lions. I mean, it was an electric night for the Cowboys with Jimmy Johnson getting inducted in the Ring of Honor. And with the Cowboys, basically, it's Super Bowl or bust. I mean, their fan base isn't going to be happy just going to the NFC Championship game. The Lions are playing more with house money, their franchise. They haven't been there in ages. They can get eliminated the first round of the playoffs. Their fan base will look forward to next year. I don't understand these calls. This year, more than any other year, the officials are determining outcome of games. I'm not sure that the officials were wrong. I'm not going to criticize them. Was there a way they could have overlooked what happened yesterday? Because it really didn't affect the play per se, but supposedly they were supposed to report who was eligible, who wasn't. Did it affect the defense at all? Yes. Yeah. The defense because yeah. first of all, good morning, Rick, and happy New Year's Eve day. But um, it did affect the um, – because you have to know who is eligible. And they didn't really, if 68 is eligible and they don't cover them, it's a free play. So they do know who, but I, like you said, Jack, I don't know if he, and everybody's saying, I don't know if he told him he was the eligible guy. There were two linemen coming in and they were saying the other guy, Decker said it, but I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and tell you because I was just as confused as everybody else on that. And that's a yes. that should have been he should have went ahead. I would even touch the ref. <clears throat> I'm the eligible receiver or the eligible player. My whole thing was I was point. disappointed so, that they I went mean, for two to begin at, with. My my whole thing. I'm mm, sorry about that. I, I, I listen. I Sonia. I I I think I I wasn't upset with the. First time they went for it, they're going for the win, and they, you know, they they clinched the the the, the uh, division like Jack said. I wasn't upset the first time, but when they got the penalty and then they decided to go for it again, it was when I kind of got a little. Why are you going? Why aren't you trying to tie, take it to overtime? Because in the end, you want to win the game, right? Yeah, you want to win the game, but with the game that close and Dallas at home. Me personally, I chose, I would have chosen to just take it to overtime. I know Campbell was ready to go ahead and get it over with. Um, and I definitely understand that. But <laughs> sometimes you have to either you're going to put the game in the hands of your kicker or you're going to put the games in the hand of your quarterback. So I guess in that instance, he, he would trust golf more um, with the second attempt. But like you said, and then the second one was an interception, even though it was called back, it would have been an interception. That right there, to me, would have been like, okay, that's that's two times. Let's go for the extra point and just take it overtime at a minimum. But for me, I was shocked initially when he went for two because my understanding is you always at least take the points. 
You know, especially with keep here conscious up memories of years ago, a famous bowl game, Nebraska unbeaten season, national championships on the line. They're down one point the end of the game. If they kicked the extra point, it would have been a tied game. Nebraska would have been national champions, but they go for the two points. They have a perfect season. They miss. And we've heard about this for decades. I'm even talking about it now, decades later. Exactly. I agree. I'm, I agree with that 100%. I have massive respect for Tom Osborne going back to, you know, 50 years or 40 years of that game. But for this game, yeah, I'm okay going for the, the win the first time, as Max said. Going for it when it was a seven-yard play, I would not have been any – I wouldn't have been lining up to go for it there. They got a break. And I'm okay, I guess, going for it the third time. But Dan Campbell, to me, people love his aggressiveness. I thought he was reckless a lot of times last night. He should have taken he should have taken a three points down on the goal line the last time, or not the last time, earlier in the game. Um, you know, as exciting as we think this game was, there was a lot of bad football too because th- there should have been about four more touchdowns scored in this game. Exactly. Exactly. And there was a lot of bad play in between the exciting plays. So and, missed penalties. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. And the thing is also you got to realize is that um, it's kind of ironic that Jimmy was there because he always told us, don't play with scared money. Go for the win. Yeah. That was his big thing. They said, we're going to go for wins. We're not playing the tie people. We're going to win it and don't play with scared money. Yeah. Adamant about that. I'm always in favor of playing to win games, right? And uh, but sometimes you get a little reckless. I think so. Yeah, but I mean, in his the way he was looking at it is they already clinched, like we said, the NFC. Good point. Good point. And, and he was looking at it. He wanted to build confidence in his team that if it came down to a situation like that, we can win this game right now. We can get the two point play. He. Just Jack mentioned before the show, he missed on that punt play a couple of weeks, the uh, punt pass. This one, he made it. So these things happen. I am, you know, that's a great, well, you, I, I'm okay with that play. I really am. It, it's his, it was his play call and the play calling, by the way, as well, down at the goal line when they didn't score, yes. uh, when they should have got the ball in there. A couple of times they were down inside the 10 and, and didn't really come away with touchdowns. And I didn't like the play calling. Maybe maybe the decisions to go were okay, but the play calls were a little. Yeah, yeah. Because you got guys that are not big. Uh, Jim, you say you want to build confidence, you know, but you didn't build confidence. In fact, it showed that maybe you can't do that. So I had kind of it might have worked in reverse, right? They, they didn't punch in the two point conversion and they lost I, the game. I, you know, I listen, I think, I think, I think when you're playing away, when you're playing in another person's house, you have a shot to get points. I, I go for the points unless I unless I got to score a touchdown. I'm going for the points to tie it if I have to. And that that's normally what they do in the end. But you got Matt, wait, 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 wait. What happened earlier this season? Getting to Max's point, the Commanders are playing the Eagles, and they score a touchdown late in the game. They're one point behind. They kick the extra point to go into overtime, and where they lose the game, and you kind of wonder. A big underdog like that, you go for two points. You have to your chance to win the game right there. And if you kick the extra point, at best you have a 50-50 chance. At best, especially you're playing against a superior team. More likely than not, you're gonna lose in overtime. And may that may have been the Lions mindset. You're playing in Dallas. Everything is tilted towards a cowboy victory. 
Jimmy Johnson's big night. Everyone is psyched. You have a chance to get out of there, leave town with a win. All you have to do is score on the two-point conversion. He rolled the dice. I mean, like Herm Edwards said. Who Was that Herm Edwards or someone else? You played to win the game. Yeah. Okay? And that's exactly what Dan Campbell did. I think I that maybe they put the game in the hand of golf because they had just elevated Michael Bagley from the practice squad. And it may have just been too new for him to put the entire game on his back at that instance. Well, if, if that's if that's too much for him, he shouldn't be on the team at all. That's let's, true. Let's get into the college. Let's get into, let's get into college. I, 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 let's get into college football because I got a couple. There's a couple of big stories there too. Um, Ohio State loses. They play a quarterback that's thrown three passes the whole year. I don't know what the heck they were thinking with that. I mean, I. I I guess the quarterback didn't had. want to. They didn't uh, have anybody what happened, else. What happened to the starting quarterback? He, He's he, in Syracuse he, right yeah. now. <laughs> he went. He, here's and um, Keith. Isn't, is, isn't it a great? Isn't it a great season? Isn't this a great thing? I mean, Listen, I want. I really want to delve into. I want to delve into this for a minute. All right. Yeah. First of all, you got your starting quarterbacks in Syracuse that you that you had for the regular season, and he's not playing in a bowl game. Second, you yeah. have Florida State. Their players are the players are. Uh, what were they doing? They were saying, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna protest, not getting into the Final Four, so we're not playing." Uh, so so, but Georgia, who's play, who also didn't make the Final Four, they all play. Now, let me tell you something, and 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 I don't know if anybody agrees with me or not. If I'm an NFL manager, GM, or if I'm an NFL coach, I don't want one of those Florida State players that that protested the game on my team. I would never draft those players because when it gets unfair, you're going to quit. Is that what you do? Well, if that's what you do, you don't play for me. I, I think that was ridiculous. They let their teammates down. They let the university down. They let everybody down. <laughs> to me, I'm tired of hearing you're crying that you didn't make it. Life's unfair. You play out the season, and you try to win the last game for at least your teammates. So I wouldn't want well, one of those players on my team. Well, the problem you have is, is first of all, um, our <clears throat> state only had 29 scholarship players in and because of the opt-outs and the injury yep. of that. So that's the problem. It is, it's a problem they have in the NFL with the transfer rules and everything else. And it's a, it's a serious issue because now you're going to have situations like this with teams because Marvin Harrison didn't play and Marvin Harrison might be the, a top 10 pick. Well, he is going to be a top five pick. And do you criticize him for protecting himself? I don't think so. Yeah. I, I yes, disagree. I would play well, in a bowl game. But some guys, if you're a top five pick, it only takes a injury to change your whole perspective. And you can <laughs> argue with it, but these guys are going to get taken care of. And I, Jim, and I Jim, you know, well, again, Mac, you point, let, let me tell you who they let down, Max. Max, to your point. You know who they let down their legacy, the team? Florida State yeah. would have been talking for years the way they I got shipped out of a playoff position. They can no longer say, well, we may have won the national championship. Ohio State can no longer say we belonged in, we could have won the national championship because they lost this game. Georgia can say it now. Well, I disagree with that 100%. We would have won it. That you can't say that they can no longer say we could have won the championship if they feel they belong. Yesterday's result has nothing to do with how 
would, it would have played out if they'd been in a playoff. Nothing. I'm going to have, I'll probably spend two hours on my show arguing about this. The way Florida State got stamped on, how can anyone in their right mind think they would have won these 29 scholarship players. They had wide receivers playing running back last night. They had a kid who had Yeah. But Keith, whose fault is that? You got players protesting that play. I don't disagree with you. Mac, I agree with you. It's the system, how the system is operated now. It sucks. They're living in a different era than we grew up in. Jim, Jim. Jim, they sat out in protest. They not all of them. No, not all. Of a lot of six defensive, six defensive players that I know of did. And not let me all. tell you something. Uh, because they're all. protecting themselves, just like Marvin Harrison, they're protecting oh. themselves. Yeah. Well, more than, more I'm than not excusing 20, them. I'm not more than twenty Seminole players character. opted out of the bowl game, including the backup quarterback Thank Kate you. Roadmaker, freshman, yep. a freshman who we definitely know is not going into the lead to protect himself. Brock Glenn started for him. Um, in the starting running back struggle, but that many that He's many players terrible. cannot all be trying to protect their image, and you know, that well, me, that yeah. defeat ended up being the largest defeat, breaking the previous Georgia game versus TCU. Um, it was a blowout, and it literally I've I've spoken with UGA fans who said to them, not even withstanding the fact that that many players were out, it showed that basically they were the better team to have gone, and they actually called that matchup. The snub fist. That was that was the nickname that was given around here, um, because they both teams felt like they were snubbed for the finals. Two two things. Kirby Smart after the game, all kudos to him. Kirby Smart's a class act. He said this system is broken, as Jim said before, and we can't go on the way this is going. Yeah. He's we, Florida State had no chance tonight, and Lane Kiffin earlier in the week said. We're cramming the entire offseason into December. We're trying to play bowl games. We got early recruiting. We got coaches moving all over the place. And you've got kids opting out and transfer portal stuff. It, which, exactly. it, it's not just protecting themselves for the draft either. <laughs> These kids are transferring out before the season's even over. You're, and to Max's point, to me, they're just showing total disrespect to the rest of the, their teammates who they went to battle with all year long. And Jim, I doubt you would have done. No, I wouldn't have. But you got to understand, this is this era of players are a I lot of key players. It's not yeah. about team anymore. Yeah. They're going to see how much I can get out of this, and how much in a short period of time. And you see it in the NFL. You see it in college football. You have seen it in high school. Well, well, you know, you know, you know, Jim, Jim, but Jim, that's why you have the problem in the NFL you do today is because of the college and the high school, because they've been treated like royalty since they've been in high school. They come up, they can do basically what they want. I don't want to play. I don't want to do this. And then they get to the NFL and they think it's the same. And that's why you have a bunch of diva wide receivers and cornerbacks that pout and get all upset when they don't get the ball. You know, to me, to me, that shows me, and I'm, I don't know if you agree with this or not, I think Florida State's head coach is terrible. If he can't get those players to come out and play, I think he's terrible. This part what? of his job is to make sure that that team's ready to play. And that, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, that's my take on it. You can't judge him on this team. No, you can't I, do. Judge him. I do. I do. I do. I do. This is a big game. This is a big game for that for that school. I don't care this if it's a like game or not. This is like going Georgia against, going out and playing the top high school team in the country with what was left on this team. This and plus, you say this, this, but there's a lot of the, the players in lack of character didn't play. And there's a lot of people in these kids' ears. And that's the thing you got to understand. Well, that's true, too. And that's the problem. 
It's not like when we were coming through and growing up. It is totally different. And I, when this, when they started this stuff, the NILs, the transfer rules, I t- knew it was Pandora's box because I coached college, and I had to deal with entitled kids. And it is, it's, it's difficult. By the way, no role models from the coaches either because they don't they leave and they don't coach in the bowl games after that's, they that's leave. Exactly right. Nobody says anything about them. And I don't think I don't fault the kids. No. I agree with Matt. I, I feel like it's a lack of leadership. If you're the coach, your main responsibility is reining those kids in and getting them to practice and getting them on the field to play. And if you cannot show that example and take the authority as a coach. That's the problem to me because kids are only going to follow the example. I don't care how they are. They're going to follow the example that's there. And if your let coach me, is like, oh, okay, I'm just going to let everybody let not show up. Nick Saban could have got that team. Go ahead, Sonia. <laughs> Go ahead, Sonia. You know something else? Let me add something else to that. Let me add something else to that. The coach was crying about this weeks ago, giving the excuse to the players, oh, let's all let's all get out. You set the tone, buddy. Listen, never you said you said, Listen we're going to whip we're gonna whoop. We're gonna whoop. We're gonna whoop George's butt when we play him in the soup. We'll go ahead and do it. Don't stand back there and cry for weeks that you didn't make it. Neither Hold did up. Georgia. Neither did either. Play They're not when playing. Players when he said that. That's true. This, I agree. Well, the point, and the by the way, I'm saying, Keith, let's just stop playing these games because what's the point of playing the games? Is my argument. Just stop playing. There's people paying good money I, to go to these games. Who is the what? first player to opt out? You hey, know? listen, I agree. Uh, I agree. Let's, let's, let's cancel the game. Let's cancel the game because the kids don't want to play. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> First yeah, of all, there's so, of there, we, we don't need 44 bowl games. I agree. Ah, this is going to be a long one. somebody needs them because they shoot at them. I don't know what's going on. And I actually thought they were talking about when scores were run up like that. That they were gonna like kind of start calling the games, but I guess that didn't happen. Yeah, uh, I don't even know when that would take place too. anyway. I think it's, it was just more a lot of these games are wait a minute, wait a minute, guys, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to get Keith saw on the two upcoming games, get his picks in before he's gotta leave. So Keith, Michigan, uh Michigan and uh Alabama, Washington and uh Texas, give me your thoughts. I know I, we've talked about it before. I'll let everybody hear what's your thoughts here on the football. I like uh, I like Alabama to beat Michigan. I think uh, Alabama will be able to slow down that running game, and it'll come down to J.J. McCarthy against the Alabama secondary. Um, I think it'll be a fairly low-scoring affair, but I think Alabama will come out and win this game. Um, and I like Washington and maybe a shootout to beat Texas. Um, so I like both the underdogs today. That's tomorrow, isn't it, Keith? <laughs> oh, Tom, sorry. I've, I've lost track of the days. Yes, that's yeah, tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I've lost track of the days here. So. All right. All right, Keith. So after you're, 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 uh, you're still up over 500 with, with most of us here on your picks. I'm so fading. I'm get fading. Your picks. <laughs> you, have, you have faded in the last couple of weeks, but that's all right. Time to bounce back and see what you got here this week. I'm going to take the Bears. Okay. I'm going to take the Seahawks. Okay. I'm going to take the Bucks, and my underdog will be the Packers. Okay. Sorry, Rick Sherlock. 
So you got you got Seattle, you got Chicago, and you got Tampa Bay. Correct. All right. So Keith, any 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 anything about the Patriots you want to cover before you take off? I mean, you're going up against Buffalo, 13 point underdogs in Buffalo. Played you're playing pretty good every week. You won last week. What are your thoughts about the matchup here? I think they'll find a way to stay in this game into the fourth quarter, maybe even have a chance to win and, you know, miss a 30-yard field goal at the end or something probably. This, the, the poor kid we've got kicking field goals has struggled mightily. I would have bet anything I had he was not going to make that 56-yarder uh, the other night to, to beat uh, the Broncos. Uh, but I think they'll stay in the game. And, you know, Buffalo's had their problems. They, they're still fighting for a playoff spot. Well, they're in the playoffs right now, obviously, but they do need to finish up finish up the business, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy that this team has not rolled over and quit. I will tell you that. I think it speaks. Last week, last week you thought that they get run out of town. You don't think that Buffalo would just put it on them this week? No, I don't. I didn't think they'd get run out of town last week. I thought they'd have a chance to win that game. I didn't think they'd win, but no. uh, um, I think they'll say they beat Buffalo. Yeah, once. Keith said they keep it close. I remember last week. Yeah. Um, again, uh, they beat Buffalo once already this year. Of course, we had a lot uh, fuller roster, including the quarterback was different. But um, I think it'll be an interesting game. I'm always going to root for my team to win. A lot of my Patriot cohorts are rooting for losses. I don't not do that ever. No. I, they listen. I'm with you, man. As your team is your team. Magnum PI has his chance to take a shot at Jim. I don't know what the heck's going on. I think he's talking about Jack. <laughs> With the shirt. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about Jack. <laughs> yeah, he is. Anyway. I know if Jack had a mustache, maybe it could be close. Anyway, uh, Keith, I want to appreciate you coming in and and you know with what happened again. Uh, you know, thank you. Prayers and all that good stuff. Keith uh, is on TGI Sports Stream of Consciousness. Up right after us here. Go on over there, yeah. check out TGI Sports, see what's going on there. Keith, thank you very much for coming in and have a happy New Year's, Keith. Happy, happy New Year to you guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Great talk to you, Keith. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So there you go. I had to give Keith a hard time. I don't know why. I just had to get him in the morning. So yeah, you know. Anyway, so so as I told you guys, uh, I well, I didn't tell everybody here. Robert Butler will be taking a a vacay from the show. He's got a lot of things he's got to do for a while, but we'll get him back in here. So we'll go over some big stories. I got some here for you. I'll get you all a uh, point of view on this. Uh, Russell Wilson. The story of Russell Wilson. Me and. Jack kind of talked about this a little bit before on, on the debate show. Do you think that, you know, it's coming to the forefront that they said, hey, either, you know, you you cancel this guaranteed money or we're going to bench you. That's what Russell Wilson says. Uh, and, of course, the economics of, of what happened, I guess, March 24th uh, or April 24th is a big time for them to get to uh, re redo his contract, get rid of him, release him, trade him, whatever they want to do. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that Russell Wilson will be starting quarterback next year on some team? What do you think, Jim? I think he has a possibility to do it if it's the right type of team. It has to be somebody who can work with his abilities and what he does because he he actually uh, improved this year. He actually improved. And it is it might be a situation like Joe Flacco, you know, and – Jack was, he wasn't very good with the Jets, but he came in a team 
exactly help them. Could you imagine Flacco? And I know they're not going to be with the Cleveland Browns defense. I mean, uh, Joe, I mean, Russell Wilson, he'd be effective. And you could have a guy like that. And some of these, uh, maybe they just need that one piece. Russell Wilson might be that one piece. And he he did everything that was asked of him. So you can't criticize him. He did what they asked him. And Peyton just didn't want him. He wasn't yeah. his quarterback. That's just true. And that's unfortunate because how Shan, Sean handled the whole situation wasn't very good. And that's going to affect him in the long run. There were a handful of teams that are going to warn Russell Wilson. It only takes one, but there were a handful of teams. We can name the teams. The Minnesota Vikings are probably moving on from Kirk Cousins next year. He's coming off the Achilles injury. They're not going to sign him the type of deal he wants. So Kirk Cousins is going to be gone. They're struggling at quarterback. Russell Wilson's a better option for the Vikings than what they have now. Washington Commanders, is Joe, Jacoby Brissett going to be their starter next year? They're going to move on from Sam Howe. He fits there. The Atlanta Falcons, they're not going to want to go back to Desmond Ritter. So Russell Wilson fits in over there. There are a handful of teams, and there are a couple of wild card teams that you never know. Maybe Coach Tomlin feels he could do a lot with Russell Wilson, and he wants to bring him on board, and he's he maybe is not high on picket, even though they picked him number one. There are a few wild cards out there. It only takes one team. I named three of them that could absolutely use Russell Wilson that he'd be an upgrade for. He's going to latch on to someone. He's not a Joe Flacco. He has a little more in the tank than Joe Flacco had, number one. Number two, Russell Wilson at his best was better than Joe Flacco at his best. I can't see Russell Wilson ever transitioning into a career backup the way Joe Flacco is right now. And you forgot to mention the Patriots. That's what I was going to say. The Patriots were definitely another spot. Interesting. I mean, it, it, it depends whether Bill Belichick would be back. And, yeah, that's a possibility, absolutely. Do you guys think that maybe he wants to be with a team that has a shot at making the playoffs and not rebuilding? I mean, if he goes to the Falcons, they're still rebuilding. The Patriots are still rebuilding. Commanders are still rebuilding. Minnesota, maybe not so much. The, the Steelers are, are a team that could still get in the playoffs. I mean, you, you don't think he'd want to go somewhere to, and, and be rebuilding for a couple of years, do you? I think he definitely would want to go somewhere that he could be more successful because – Denver doing all the trades that they did did not work out favorably at all. In fact, uh, Russell went 4-11 and as a starter this season and had his worst statistical season ever. He was ranked around on 60.5% of his passes and only had about 3,524 yards, 16 touchdowns, but however, 11 interceptions. And kind of like how it was previously mentioned, um, Peyton just didn't want him in the beginning. Um, Peyton basically claims it was the higher ups that was the reason that Russell was let go, but he was at Peyton himself was actually hired to actually evaluate the quarterbacks and to try to turn that franchise around. Um, but the leadership, I think it was, I always say it was personality and professionalism that basically caused the decline of, of that relationship. And thus the performance went onto the field and, and made the Broncos what they are right now, despite Denver going all in as they say selling the farm 
to try to get him. It just it was a bad deal. Well, Sonia, Sonia Denver seven and eight. I mean, they're not. It's not like they're four and, and twelve. They still they still have a outside chance of getting in there. I I exactly. think that Sean Payton and maybe maybe you'll agree with me, Jim. You know Sean. I think yeah, Sean I Payton right. wanted to put the stamp of the, of him on his team. He I wants the whole right. thing. You know. I think you're exactly right. But uh, you guys brought up an interesting point. Atlanta is close, closer than you think. They have a running game. They have a pretty good defense. They have some offensive players, especially in the receiving court, that can make plays. Great tight end in pits. Yeah, and they have the wide receiver, too, two wide receivers. So imagine him in that offense. He could be effective in that offense. And then they're closer than you think. They're closer to being, a, and especially in a weak division in the NFC South. It's going to be obviously without Baker Mayfield. Other than that, New Orleans is struggling. We still got to talk about it. We still got to talk about the money too, though, guys. Right? They got to. They're going to have to. They're going to have to take on the salary. I, I don't think they will. I, do. I think he'll take less money. I feel. I feel like even though they're seven and eight now, I did bring up the last season comparison because it was Russell's worst start ever, and I feel like to me that kind of set the tone with him coming into that franchise. As it just never is, it's even at the best right now. But Peyton is claiming that one reason why he's benching him, in addition to the contract issue, was because they're, they're trying to win the last two games. Yeah, but also you got to remember last year, Sonia was Hackett was the head coach, and Hackett didn't do a very good job. Right. Who's who's a better quarterback for the for the Broncos on the Broncos team right now than Russell Wilson? I don't. I haven't heard of him so. I don't know what he's talking about. That's not going to be yeah. Stidham. Stidham. And you mentioned Matt. That was so crazy that he said that. Mac, you mentioned rebuild, rebuilding situations. In the NFL in this day and age, the rebuilds go very quick. Look at the Houston Texans. They went number two overall <laughs> in the draft last year. They have a shot at making the playoffs this year. Uh, uh, it goes pretty quick rebuilding. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'm looking at the Jets have been rebuilding. Jets have been rebuilding for 10 years in the Giants. No, for they about just eight. haven't been oh, winning. But it's, I don't think it's that quick. <laughs> I don't. Sure. I don't think it's that quick. I, in fact, I, I I think that there it takes quite a f a few years to rebuild a team now. Maybe longer than it has been in the past. You well, look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. How quick they were number one with Trevor Lawrence in the draft. The Lions were number two. You know, the year they took Aiden Hutchinson, and quickly those teams. You know, are playoff teams. Uh, That's a good point. It's just who is really running the team from the general manager to the coach and how they use their personnel. You know, it's an interesting era we're in because the majority of coaches in the past that won Super Bowls, not all of them, were special teams and defensive coaches. Now you're seeing coaches that are majority of offensive coaches and they're making, they're winning the Super Bowls because everybody said defense wins championships. But now we got offensive Andy Reid, uh, you know, obviously um, the court, the uh, Philadelphia Serrani and things like that. And it's been a trend. There are always things that happen in NFL that are trends. And that's what our trend is now. Well, you know, you could say that, Jim, but you also, you, what I see today is more of an offensive coach, just the head coach running the offense, and then they get themselves a great defensive coordinator, yeah. and he runs a defense. So I, I don't think it's really changed that much. I just think the hats have changed 
you know, whether it's the head coach's defense or the offense, I don't think that really matters anymore. Well, I, I do think it matters because you look at what happened in Miami with Mike McDaniel. Who did they hire? Vic Fangio. And they've had a really good season. And I let that defensive coordinator do it. It's kind of like back to the Chicago Bears with Mike Dicka and Buddy Ryan. Right. They're just letting right. the coach right. and do what they right. do. I, I, I agree. I agree with that. So let's talk a little bit about Baker Mayfield. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are are in position to maybe win that division. The Saints are right behind them. But uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, a first-round draft pick way back when for the Cleveland Browns, is still playing some pretty decent ball. I'm not going to say he's great, but he's definitely better than average. And he's got Tampa Bay up there knocking on the door. Is he maybe a comeback player or MVP player of the year? I don't think he's MVP player, but I think he's a comeback player. Comeback player, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. And, you know, he it seemed that he was just going to be a stopgap quarterback for the Buccaneers until they got their quarterback of the future. He might be their quarterback of the future the next few years. He's young enough. I mean, the way he performed this year, you build a good enough team around Baker Mayfield, he can succeed. Who's to say he shouldn't be their quarterback going forward now? But if I was Baker Mayfield... The first thing I would do if I sign a new contract is not get keys to the stadium because that killed them. <laughs> oh, the commercial, yes, sir. That commercial. Was I definitely think Baker has has definitely solidified his position with that team. Um, I know early on, especially coming behind Tom Brady, is is quite a feat. And um, and even here in the South, we were always like, okay, you know, he used to be a Panther. We've seen the ups and downs of Baker, but he seems like not necessarily an MVP player. I wouldn't say that, but he's definitely a comeback player. And me, I can uh, actually me, see them happen getting things today. You make a good point, Sonia. Let me tell you something about how the NFL is progressing. Is uh, The guy that was there before, their offensive coordinator now, was Tom Munkin, Todd Munkin. Todd Munkin is who's working with Lamar Jackson. Oh, wow. Coaches make a difference. Now, they, they really do, especially with quarterbacks. And Sean Payton had um, Tony Romo when he mm-hmm. gave to, when he was with the Cowboys. He originally they're from the same college, Eastern right. Illinois, and he worked with Romo. And there's those coaches are valuable. Those quarterback coaches, they understand if they understand the dynamics of being because. We all know how important the court. We argue, we get on Daniel Jones, we get on Zach Wilson, we get on Dak Prescott, we're getting on Bryce Young. It's the people that you surround them. The really good administrators know I gotta have somebody around this guy because he's so important to our system. Well, you know, a big a story in Tampa, guys. I just want to say that's helped Baker Mayfield get a success this year. This wide receiver Mike Evans, who's a an iconic Tampa Bay player. His contract is up at the end of the year, and we're going to learn how cruel a business this could be because the Buccaneers are indicating that they're going to move on from Mike Evans, even though arguably he's at the top of his game. He gets injured now and then, and when a guy's an iconic player for a franchise, you kind of want to keep him his whole career, but it does become a business at the end. Jim can relate to that after 12 years with the Cowboys. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. 
Listen, and he, there's nothing stopping him from going on and signing with another team either once his contract is up also. So, I mean, that, that can work both ways. Can Mason Rudolph lead the, lead the Steelers into and through the playoffs, guys? It, it's, I mean, Pittsburgh has a great defense, great head coach. Mason Rudolph, you know, third-string quarterback, second-string quarterback, whatever you want to call him, played a good game last week. Uh, but what do you think? Do you think he's good enough to do that? Now, let me just say something. He was drafted number three, third round draft pick. Big Ben wasn't happy about it. He felt the Steelers could use more help, and Big Ben was the quarterback. Third round pick. He's been here like six years or so, Mason Rudolph. So he got he never got the number one job when Big Ben stepped down. They drafted Pickett's number one. They got Mitch Trubisky, hopefully, to start for them too. He didn't work out. But he, he was made the number three quarterback on the depth chart to start the year. So I don't want to hear because Mason Rudolph has a good game. He could be their quarterback in the future. It, it, highly unlikely. And here's the thing, I think. First of all, they're going to Seattle this week. And Seattle is playing fairly well. And I don't. I, it's nothing against Mason Rudolph. But I just don't think they have enough. And Tomlin is amazing what he does. But I just don't think they have enough juice. To beat a team like Seattle because of those three, that three-headed monster to have those three receivers. But I think Rudolph looked really good, especially coming from where he was. I mean, he gave a good morale booster to the team, especially when they hit the 21 points right off the rip. Um, He didn't have um, any interceptions, and he had two touchdowns and actually completed um, a little over half of his um, passing attempts. So I don't necessarily think that he would be you know, playoff, but I think that he's a very solid quarterback to come into the role that he has been and and take the leadership. Like I said, he was a real morale booster, and his arm is incredible. Yeah, but you also got to remember George Pickens made a tremendous play. I know we get on him, but that was a, yeah. that was a heck of a play. <laughs> Speaking of getting on somebody, let's talk a little bit about Micah Parsons. He's only had one sack in the last five games now. Played a pretty good game yesterday. Played it pretty good against the run. Put some pressure on him, but didn't get to the quarterback. Uh, complaining about getting holding a lot. Talking about the 49ers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Jim, you, you know, you're close to the Cowboys. What do you think about my, Michael Parsons this year? Did he take a step back? I don't think he took a step back. I think this is what we always talk about with great players. T.J. Watt runs into this. Miles Garrett. People, their offenses – prepare their game plan around these players. And that's the problem because there's such, they did it with Randy White. They did it with guys like that. It's because these players are game changers. So they don't want uh, a guy like Michael Parsons disrupting their game plan. So they know where he's at all the time and what he's going to do in certain situations. I think a tremendous player, but he's got to understand nobody just, there's no crying in football. Don't complain about the holding. Figure out a way to, to beat it. And he did. He took martial arts in the offseason. He's took he's taking boxing. He's got to understand that's the worst thing you can do because they know they can frustrate you. And they're not going to call every holding call. That's just the reality. Of, I used to tell my guys, and I did it, don't worry about it. Find a way to beat it. you got to find a way to beat it because nobody cares. You know, especially, there were holding calls on both sides that they didn't call. 
And I was right Jim, did the, did the officials make it personal at times? Can you schmooze the officials before yes. the game? If you're Micah Parsons, you could come out, you could joke with them, they could take a liking to you, and it could maybe help you get one It really does. It really game. does. Yeah. And how you talk to them. And I say, hey, um, I would go up to him and say, hey, this guy, this is ridiculous. Uh, I'm not, I know you got a tough job, but could you just watch him? And they'll say, we'll take a look at it. And say, yeah. Just, just make it fair, fair. And they like that yeah. with respect. But if you're yelling and yeah. screaming at them, they're not going to respect that because they're human. Well, you, yeah. you, you know, we talk about Michael Parsons. You say that's what the, you know, the great ones overcome. It is Michael Parsons great. I mean, Reggie White was held. Uh, Bruce Smith was held. You were held. Lawrence Taylor what? was held. You know, these guys, you guys were all held. And, you know, you, you still were doing 10, 12 sacks a year, 15 sacks, sometimes even yeah. more. So is Micah, Parsons, is Micah Parsons really that guy is what I'm asking you, Jim? He, he will really be, but he has to – if you notice, really great pass rushers, they have somebody that is with him. Uh, Lawrence Taylor had Leonard uh, Marshall. You know, it was me and Charles, and it was uh, Randy White and uh, Harvey Martin. Great pass – they don't have a difference maker – at pass rushers that can beat one-on-ones because they're going to look, they're going to turn their protection to Micah Parsons, TJ Watts. The, um, I can't remember his name now, but he had a really good pass rusher on it. You need more than one pass rusher because it's difficult. They can always find you if you don't have one. So you got to have the other guy that offsets what you do. And Parsons is actually up in the high ranks for defensive player of the year. Um, despite everything um, that we're we're talking about here, like he's pretty high ranked. I think it's like a under one fifteen or something like that in the running, and he's really good on pressure with, on the quarterback. Yes, so he's leading. Um, well, he's he's definitely a leader in that. A week ago, Micah Parsons got flagged and was complaining. He blindsided the quarterback on a sack, and they called roughing the pass up. And I thought when he hit the quarterback he could have wrapped his arms around him and drove him forward he didn't have to like knock him down so forcefully I and that. i know during your time that was commonplace it wouldn't have been a flag jim but i don't mm -hmm. think micah parsons got it you know the rules of protecting the quarterback and i'm you're not expected to slow down on the dime i i understand that but you can still run into the quarterback and just wrap your arms no, around you can. and move can. The reason is because if you run and you get your body weight on them, then they're going to call a flag. If you notice that, that's what happened to Chris Jones, which I thought was – and then it happened to an Atlanta player. All he did was tackle – I think it was Grady Jarrett a couple of years ago. And I thought, this is ridiculous. He's just doing it. He sacked him. They, so they don't let you get away with anything. I'd be so frustrated in this – Time and error. No, Mac jokes with me about flag football. Maybe there should be a flag, Mac, that the, you know, Micah Parsons could grab the flag and I call it a sack. Get it over with. Just, just, just. What I, they really should do is have that progressive commercial where they have the red flag and go look at the replay. <laughs> I always think that's so hard. Like, if a quarterback's giving himself up, especially, like, say he's coming out the pocket and he's running. And he's that, that to me is just my personal opinion. How do you slow the velocity of your body to stop on the dime when you've already made that move to tackle him? And then you're getting a, you know, it's, some type of penalty. It's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. So guys, you have. 
So, guys, well, Al Michaels, let's 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 keep going with the big stories here. So, Al Michaels is not calling the playoffs. Uh, rumor is, or for what I read, anyways, because he didn't want to mention uh, Taylor Swift uh, being at the game. Uh, he didn't want to say anything about that. I it could be true. I mean, I don't know, but this is he's one heck of a broadcaster. He will be back in 2024. What do you think about that, Sonia? You have you have a, a guy that's been a professional for I don't know how many years. Really good broadcaster, and and just because he's not going to go along with you know saying Taylor Swift's doing this and doing that, that he may get plugged for that for the playoffs. Does that that make sense to you? It does not make sense, but um, like Jim mentioned earlier about this culture that we are in, it's a different culture not only for the players but just generational cultural differences. And um, for lack of a better term, Taylor Swift's fan base, the Swifties, are extremely powerful. Um, the ratings have gone up since Taylor has begun dating Travis because now you have Taylor Swift fans tuning in just to get a view of her on the sidelines or in the press box or what have you. And um, we, we always talk about the money and the politics in the NFL. Al Michaels is an amazing um, announcer. He will be back in 2024, um, will not be allowed to call the postseason games because of this. Um, it's a demographical thing as far as you know, who likes who, and um, they've almost basically, and, you know, me as a female speaking of, they've almost basically made it, you know, kind of like, oh, the NFL is just all macho, and they don't want to mention anything about females, and and she's a female performer, and, and it's a sideshow and that kind of thing. And, and actually, to be honest with you, I, I'm in the mindset, like, okay, it's okay to mention it, but we, we are here to watch a game. Um I don't think he should have been penalized for that just because he didn't want to continue with the narrative of her being there. I mean, they've already addressed it multiple games that she's been at. It, it's not a storyline for me that every time she's in attendance, the camera needs to pan there. I think that the the media as a whole has just sensationalized this entire thing. And now that Al Michaels has taken a stand like, hey, let's get back to football. Swifties, you know, are, for lack of a better word, a butthurt. And um, I just don't agree with it. I think, you know, that football is football. It is, it's great to say, okay, we have a celebrity in attendance, but every single game is not necessary. And, in fact, I feel like it's actually affecting the performance of the Chiefs right now. I feel like the the drama that has incorporated into this game and into the Chiefs organization overall, I mean, we've seen Kelsey make some some really immature decisions that we, we don't necessarily always see. And I feel like, um, you know, I don't, I don't agree with Al Michaels being, you know, taken off of the primetime games. But, yeah. but so well, 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 let me get this straight. Wait, wait, wait. Taylor they, Swift. The they have Chiefs, a right. Wait, wait, Sonia. The Chiefs have not been playing well in recent weeks. You feel because of Taylor Swift? I no, mean, not on. necessarily. Oh, yeah. But I'm saying we've seen them play. Well, I don't know, Jack. I mean. To be honest with you, I've you seen him play. Maybe not. Yeah, but so, first, yeah, of all, first of all, good, good, uh, good day, Jason. Buenos dias to you, Jason. But hey, here, Russell Mer, um, is Russell Wilson is married to Sierra. Right. See, she's not on the level of Taylor Swift as far as proper popularity. Um, the cornerback for the Green Bay Packers is. Probably one of the greatest women athletes ever, Simone Biles. Simone Biles, they right? Publicized there, Swift. That's a different dynamic, and I agree with that. But is it? Does that affect what's on the field? 
I don't think it affects it. I think. Let it, me say one thing, Jim, Jim, Jim. Hear me out on this, though, to Sonia's point. Travis Kelsey himself. I mean, you got to be well rested during the season. Very well rested. And I'm reading he's out all night with her because they're having a birthday party. He travels to a no, he didn't go to five weeks, you know, he did not out go. of the country. You got to rest up and you got to work out. You got to be in shape. No, he did not go to her birthday party because it was in season. And we're not really? saying he can't have a personal life, that players can't date and everything. But it's just this level, for me personally, it's not okay he has Taylor Swift. I'm happy for him. I, I really am. And I hope that they last forever. But I'm just saying to me, I don't need to see Taylor every time she's at the game. I just, oh, I, don't well, what's I, the I don't, harm? I listen, oh, without I agree. Michael, what's the I harm, agree. guys? You I, see I agree a moment with on camera, no harm done. I, I agree. I, I agree, agree with you, Jack. I, I don't, don't think there's any harm. I don't have to see Sonia. I Sonia, I don't have to see her five times a game. If you want to show her in the beginning of the game, that's fine. Every time Kelsey drops a ball, every time he catches yes. a ball, then we're gonna go I out and see, see what her reaction. I know you do. I know you do. You guys realize this soap opera. Listen, I don't care about the soap opera. I'm there to watch the you gotta also realize South America. Why is NFL? They're trying Jim, to Jim, 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 I understand that. I'm saying I don't have to see Taylor Swift every time Kelsey comes on the field. I, I, I don't exactly. think that's a lot to ask. That's all I'm saying. I don't think they just score one time and be done, maybe twice, but it's every play, like Max said. Like, yeah, every time he lot. drops a ball, we go to Kelsey. What go to the heck reaction. is Jason talking about? No clue. Does anyone have a clue? What he's Listen, Jason, <laughs> Jason knows what he's Jason knows what he's talking about. Who knew so. beats for them? What's the item? He follows, well, he follows Beyonce and uh, Taylor. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Jack's head coach. One of the reporters said he was not upset enough, angry enough after they got embarrassed last week. Um, I mean, is, is this something that, that really matters to to the Jet fans, whether he's really angry that they lost or that he's handling it calmly. Or, I mean, is this a big story or is this New York reporting, Jack, going on over there? Yeah, it's, it's New York reporting. You have to be true to yourself. Some coaches are very loud. They're very animated. If you're not that type of coach and you try to be that, you're not going to succeed. They'll be able to see through you. Mm -hmm. Robert Salah... He can get in players' faces, but he's going to kind of be a little laid back. You know, kind of reminds me of your guys, Jim. Years ago, when Michael Irvin was playing, they asked him about Barry Switzer. Could Barry Switzer crack the whip? And Michael Irvin started laughing, saying, oh, yeah, Barry could crack the whip. You know, trying to be polite. In other words, you know that Barry Switzer's style, even though he could get in the guy's face, he wouldn't go all the way with the way of Jimmy Johnson with a different personality. And Robert Salah has his personality. I believe he's got the respect at a locker room, but I was disturbed the last game against Cleveland, Max, that you started off with here. They didn't come to play the Jets, especially on defense. I mean, I didn't like what I saw. The tackling was horrendous. The effort wasn't there. Till the second half, I guess their pride was hurt in the first half. But that he didn't really have him ready to play. But here's the thing, and you've mentioned this before, and I've been in this situation 
before myself personally is that defense has played a lot of plays this year because of the struggles on offense. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? They're getting paid to play. But when you're playing an enormous, uh, unusual amount of plays, you're gonna, it's going to affect you in the long term, especially as long as the seasons are. So that's the thing, first of all. And I think what you made is good points, Jack. But you look at what D'Amico Ryan is doing as opposed to Robert Solid, and he's a new – and I'm not – I'm using him because he might be the, the uh, coach of the year, what he did with Houston, but his energy. And that's what you got to understand is your energy has got to go to players. you got to make difficult decisions. And uh, obviously uh, that uh, the quarterback uh, – the, the offensive coordinator, Hackett, is um, Aaron Rodgers' buddy. But you got to make decisions because you're – your offense is not getting better. And I know we had injuries. I know about Aaron Rodgers. And I just don't see Salah taking them to the next level because he doesn't have that energy. And that's just my, my opinion. Two things, two things for you guys real quick. Um, you talk about Aaron Rodgers says he'll be back, but he wants certain things done. He wants this done and that done before he comes back next year. Uh, you know, offensive line, more wide receivers. This is things he wants for 2024. Uh, before he gets, you know, before they get rolling next year. Uh, and and uh, you brought up C.J. Stroud. Uh, you brought up the Texans. C.J. Stroud is starting this week, Jim. Um, yes, he is. Is, is. is this the answer? Does Houston take hold of that division now that C.J. Stroud's back? What do you think? I do think they take hold of it, and I'll tell you why, because of the struggles of Jacksonville uh, now with the injuries to uh, Trevor Lawrence. I think they got to uh, – golden opportunity to take uh, obviously uh, over the division. I'm amazed at how well Houston is playing and be honest with you. But uh, here's another situation where their offensive coordinator, Slowett, his father was on our Super Bowl team. He was a coach on our Super Bowl team. Bobby Slowett, his dad. And I know the Slowets and they're football guys. They are football guys. (laughs) He understands, but Hackett was, but we weren't successful with it. His dad is the offensive coordinator. He was in the last years of Coach Landry, and Coach Landry didn't want him. And Hackett didn't understand how we did things, and that was disruptive. The father. Okay. Well, we got the Philly sports guy is going to be joining us here. Let's see what I got. I got I got a couple, I think, uh, questions for him. We'll, we'll we'll bring him up and see what's going on. Get his picks. Get our picks. Let's bring up Pags. How you doing today, Pags? Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good Happy morning, Pags. All right, so so Pags, uh, we'll review quickly the Giants Eagles game. Uh, Eagles, as we talked about before, Eagles jumped out <laughs> fast. Um, the uh, Giants kind of made a mini comeback there at the end. Uh, the Eagles stave them off. Good game. Pretty exciting game. Eagles still. In first place, all they got to do is take care of business here today against the Cardinals and then win against the Giants again. And they still get NFC East and maybe uh, they get the first, you know, the first buy, depending on what happens with San Francisco packs. Yeah, I'm not expecting San Francisco to lose a game. I think that uh, they probably are going to win out. Uh, so I, I suspect now because Dallas was able to uh, pay the refs enough 
so that they didn't hear I him. I know you're not talking about paying refs. <laughs> hey, listen, hey, listen, hey, listen. What no, happens? No, no, I don't no. listen to anything. No, 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 no. no, no. Were you at the I game? Didn't make that call. Stop, stop. Did you let me talk. Straight, stop nothing. Right. You come up with bull all, all the right, time. Well, then I guess I guess the show's over. Good job. Yeah, it is. Hey, the show's hey, over for you. Jim, Jim. All that BS that what went happened? on. Don't even give me that. What happened? I don't want to hear I don't what happened with the two-point conversion, Jim? That was It happened. What, what happened? happened? What happened when Philly played Dallas? When that receiver? Well, that was all what right. Don't give me that ball. That's what you do. I, I, I can look at it objectively. The league has a little bit of an agenda against the Eagles, it would seem. The big Dom situation. Oh, my goodness. At worst, they should have just fined <laughs> oh, big goodness. Dom at worst. But they suspend them. That's not his them. job. That is not well, somebody him. said somebody said that Dallas only won because of Jimmy Johnson being inducted last night. Oh play. my god. Yeah, that's why well, that's why they didn't do that. Let me say the haters are always gonna hate. So you can hate, right. but it ain't. Right, so, <laughs> so my, my real question, my real question, <laughs> my real question, Jim, for real, for real. I, because I couldn't hear it because they didn't have the sound on. What was the call on that two-point conversion? They said that the hey. officer lineman did not report. I don't know. I was at the game, and I don't know if he reported or not. Dan Campbell said he did report. They had two linemen come in, and they said the one that was eligible did not report as eligible. And that's the thing. I don't know. But I don't, I, I don't know either. I don't know either. I actually, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if it was that or if it was that the tight end covered him up. No, it was that he did not report. And I, all I know I is know. the ref, the ref was Brad Allen, and I know his family, and I know he was ready to get up and get up out of there and get on back to the Carolina to the family <laughs> that I know because they had to be looking for him after that bad call. Like it yeah, looked yeah. like he told him when they did the replay. Um, when Scott Van Pelt showed it, like especially they talked about it ad nauseum. And that's what I heard. Why would you be there? But you're right, Sonia. I don't I don't know what happened, but it was an unusual play. It was a very un I've never had that situation before. I've you never know, seen you know, wait, 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 but shouldn't the refs be quickly saying to the players who's eligible, who's not? Quickly, yeah, it's the players. Definitely have to go in and report. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to know what happened there because you're going to have players saying that they reported and the ref's going to say they didn't report. And if there's no microphone on, no tape, you're not going to know. Let's get back That's to the Eagles. Yes. Let's get back. Let's get back to the Eagles. So there's been <laughs> a lot of uh, – and if I was looking at the Philly voice. And they were talking about some infighting going on with the Eagles, arguments on the sidelines, Sirianni uh, – you know, addressing like about having fun and stuff like this. They said there's a lot of infighting going on with the Eagles. This is from the Philly Voice, anyway. Do you, do you agree with that, or you, have you heard anything like like that going on? I mean, I've heard the reports this week. I don't believe them. I mean, I think that it's it's part of the narrative that some of the media is putting out there. Uh, this the initial report came from, uh, you know, not the most credible of sources. And everybody took it and ran with it. Uh, the big the big sources in the area are not reporting this. 
So it's hard to really say if there's any truth. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that they haven't been playing great. So there's, you could use whatever excuse you want to for that. But either way, they're still not playing. They have not played their best game yet. So until, unless they can start to figure it out and put it all together here in the next two weeks, uh, they're going to run into, when they get into the playoffs, the, the way that they're playing now may get you in, may get you past the first round, but it's not going to get you past anything further than that. The difficulties in going to Super Super Bowls is tremendous. And I'm going to tell you why. Because everybody plays you like it's a Super Bowl. And every and that's the thing. I said that at the beginning of the year. Regardless, people are going to play you harder because, like Arizona, Arizona's not very good, but they're going to probably play the hardest they played all year. And they, they're going to lose, obviously. But they want to have go off into the offseason saying, well, we played with the Philadelphia Giants. The Giants have been – they played hard. And they probably didn't think they were going to win the game, but they're going to play the Eagles harder because they've been to the Super Bowls. And that's what happens to teams that have success. Let me ask you, Pags, you know, you got a lot of negativity, I mean, coming out of Philly with the Philly voice and some other fans. You're still the first place in the NFC East. I, there's there's 30, maybe, what, 25 other teams that wish they were – in your place right now, applying for the playoffs. And if you didn't have your best game yet, I mean, unless somebody gets hurt, I still think you're viable. I still think that you'll have a, a very good chance of going, at, at least making a trip to the Super Bowl. You're good as chance as anybody else, I think, anyway. Well, I, I, I mean, I agree. I think that, you know, at the beginning of the season, we still had the toughest schedule of all the teams. And – even in our our gauntlet, you know, during the hardest part of our schedule, we went three and two. So I mean, it's there's there's number of ways to look at this. Obviously, this isn't the same team that we played last year that we had last year that went to the Super Bowl. It's it's a uh, damn. My phone is going nuts here this morning. What is it? It's my new phone. I got a new phone. Uh, I think it's a question, Diego, so I've been having fun this year. I think when you show enthusiasm, it's a big difference. Look at the Raiders-Chiefs game a week ago. The Raiders seem to be playing with so much enthusiasm, having so much fun, and the Chiefs were playing tight like something's at stake. And that's what I think the problem with the Eagles are. They're playing like something is at stake. Stake. They're not just letting it rip and having fun yeah. going out and playing. I mean, they're playing very tight. Uh, I would agree with that. I think that there's – they, they have been <coughs> – they have really missed the offensive coordinator from last year. That's a, There's been a big, big difference with uh, Steichen not here. And I think that when you have that – and you know the talent that you have and you're not performing the way you want to, then it starts to become frustrating. And I think that's part of what's going on. I think that they are a little frustrated, that they have some time. We have some time to get this together because truth of the matter is, is that any of the wild card teams, I mean, if they, when the wild card team makes it in, anything is possible. But those yeah. teams are not, are not part of the elite in even the NFC, I would say that the NFC has got four teams 
that are 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 part of the elite in, in the NFC, and they are San Francisco, Dallas, Detroit, and the Eagles. Those are Listen, the four think, teams that are going expect, to. I think, I think any team when they get in the playoffs, it's the hottest team that wins it. I don't care if you're a wild card or you're. You're a, you're a, you're you're one of the elite teams, as you say. I think it's the hottest team going in there that's playing right. I think the Rams have a shot. I think Cleveland has a shot. I, I think I think there's a lot of teams out there that have a shot right now. If they're hot and they're they're playing well and they're not injured, they got just as good a shot as anyone. The ball bounces twenty, and and anything can happen in the playoffs. So I, I agree with you. The odds are in your favor, but I still think those wild card teams have a shot. Let's let's get to your picks, Pags. We got a guy that's anxious to come in uh, here in a minute, but he's gonna have to wait till after the after we get our initial top three and underdog picks in here, and uh, and we'll and we'll get that going. So let's let's start with you, Pags. Who's your three favorites, and who's your underdog? Uh, so since I didn't read the email earlier, I'm gonna take a shot and say the Rams. Okay. I like the Buccaneers over the Saints. Okay. And interestingly enough, this is such a low line for me, and I don't understand why. The Jaguars over the Panthers. I know that uh, what's the quarterback's not playing, but. Justin Herbert. Excuse me, Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, I just can't He's see why it's such a small line now. Like it's a three and a half. I don't know what it opened up oh, at. Sorry. It would, it would be six and a half if you want to stay with it, Pat. Yeah. It was at six and a half. This is the hard part about, yeah. you know, trying to bet opening lines a week later. So, but yeah, yeah I'll that's why it. I send you the email. That's why I send you the email that you never look at. So who's your, fa who's your underdog, buddy? Uh, uh, are we not going to do the underdog song or do you guys already do that? Oh, yes. Yes. We want to do the underdog song. Good job. Uh, Jack, who's your top, who's your top three favorites? Yeah, um, I like the Bills giving away a lot of points, about 13 points, I think it is. I think they could smell the playoffs. They lost to Buffalo early. In the, I, you lost to New England early in the year at home. I look for them to have a really big game and trounce the Patriots. I like the uh, Chicago Bears over the Falcons, giving the three to Bears at home. The Bears on an upswing now. They gotten better as the years gone along and next year they, they might even contend for the playoffs and i'm going to go with the buccaneers giving the three or so against the saints at home i know that game could go either way and the saints need that game to stay alive and the buccaneers can lose and then beat win a carolina next week and still get in the playoffs but i think at tampa they'll be on a real high where they could clinch a playoff spot and i think they'll get it done uh, Tim, who do you got for your favorite? Tampa Bay over New Orleans. Baltimore over Miami. And I have uh, Houston over Tennessee. All right. Sonia, who's your top three? Um, so I, too... Um, just like Jack talked about, I have the Bills because I feel like they're looking for the playoffs and, you know, they can see that on the horizon. So I have the Bills. I have Tampa Bay taking over the Saints. Wow. I feel like they always have the Saints number. And with that NFC South division, for what it's worth, being up for grabs, I think that they're really trying to solidify and clinch 
And so, and then my um, third pick, believe it or not, you will like, I have New York Giants over the Rams. They're underdogs, aren't they? They're underdogs, the Giants. Sorry, guys. So sorry, me, guys. Sorry, guys. Give me a I have the, <laughs> I have the, sorry, guys. I have the 49ers um, over the Commanders. Okay. Minus 13, big, big spread. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. All right. So, so uh, producer Linda has Baltimore, Houston, and Seattle. Uh, her, her, which one is it? her underdog is in Minnesota. So she's got those. You have the song first before you tell her unders all. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm messing up. I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you my three right now. Let's see. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Philadelphia uh, over Arizona. I, I don't think Arizona can 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 compete with them. I also uh, I like Baltimore. Waddles out, so I'm gonna take Baltimore also, and. <clears throat> I'm gonna go. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, Seattle also. I think Seattle does it. So let's get that un underdog uh, bit queued up here, and let's get our underdogs in here also. There's no need to fear. Underdog is here. That's right, folks. Our weekly underdog picks here. Last week, Jack nailed it. Not only did he pick the underdog, he said he would win as he took, took Baltimore to win that game, not only as the underdog. So, Jack, we'll start out with you. Who's your who's your underdog pick for this week, Jack? Yeah, I'm going to go with Cincinnati, take the seven points against Kansas City. I think Cincinnati is actually going to Kansas City and win the game outright. Yes, uh, Kansas City is struggling so badly, and I think they've been made a seven-point favorite based on their reputation, nothing more. But that is a struggling team, Kansas City. Now, you, and if they lose this game, they might have to win their final game of the season next week just to make the playoffs. That's going to be some scenario if they imagine they get bumped out of the playoffs altogether. But I'm going to go with Cincinnati today. All right, Jim, who do you got? I have uh, Las Vegas over Indianapolis as my favorite um, underdog. Excuse me. Okay. Question for you, Jack: um, If Kansas City loses today, is it a possibility that um, uh, looking at their record? There's a possibility that Las Vegas can sneak in and beat them into the playoffs. Well, Las Vegas wins their last two games starting today. Kansas and Kansas City loses their last two. Las Vegas wins the division. Mm -hmm. And as far as a wild card goes, I don't know how that would work out for Kansas yeah. City. I mean, I, I, don't, just... I don't think so. But Sonia, Sonia, who's your underdog? Is My the team, Giants? the Panthers. <laughs> My team, the Panthers. I feel All like, right. um, yes, I'm going to take the Panthers. I feel okay. like there's no no way that the Jags beat them by four and a half points, uh, which is a spread. I think if, if, in fact, we may win outright, to be honest with you, we're going for win right. number three. Boat right is in for injured Lawrence. And um, the last couple of games that Bryce played in, he's literally looking more of a um, really solid quarterback. 
Um, they beat the Falcons nine and seven, which isn't saying much, but still he put up 312 yards and two touchdowns and no interceptions in his um in the Panthers defeat against Green Bay. So I'm going with my Panthers today. It's an underdog. All right, all right, all right. Pags, of course it is, it is, it is six and a half again, as I told Pags. Pags, who's your underdog pick? So did the Packers open up as an underdog? Yes, plus two. Packers. All right. Packers is the Packers. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Jim. I like I like Vegas. I like what they're doing out there right now. I think Vegas is uh, the Raiders are playing really well. I'm gonna take them as my underdog too. So there you go, folks. That's our picks. Um, underneath you see scrolling. We have a new format coming, new lineup on 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 our Roku channel. We'll be having an NESSP in the morning, NESSP at noon, NESSP at night. Pags will be hosting the afternoon show. Me and Jack at the morning. Sonia will be hosting the nighttime show. And with that, let's bring in our guest that has been waiting patiently down underneath in the, uh, I guess it's the, do we call it the green room? I'm not sure what we call that back there. Is it the blue room? Well, let's bring up Jason McKinn anyway. Jason McMinn from Unscripted Elite. Uh, say it for me, Jim, Elite Sports Entertainment and Sports and Entertainment. Am I close? Yeah, three sports and entertainment network. Uh, we're kind of branching out a little bit. Uh, I call it the room of excellence, quite honestly. Uh, you know, uh, I, I was, I was, I, I made me a little small batch whiskey this morning because I just felt like it because it makes my beard grow a little bit better. And uh, that's Texas right there. You know, I gotta tell you, but Pat really said, but nothing growing up here. Oh no, no, it, it's growing there. I just didn't put the, the the stuff in there yet. Don't worry about it. It's coming in nice. Let me tell you something, Pat. Literally, when you told me that the Eagles had the hardest schedule, my ten dollars a shot whiskey literally came out of my mouth. So don't worry about it. You can cash out me ten dollars. I'll get you the information. We're all okay. <laughs> but you know that that's that's absolute fact, though, right? No, it's really not because you came off a three-game skid. Hold on, hold on. You came off a three-game skid, and how did you get back again? You played the Giants with Danny DeVito's twin cousin, Tommy. Okay, okay. Hold on a minute. Hold on. The Pags, Pags. See, what about your blood vessel? Pags, I can see your blood vessel over there, brother. Calm down. This is going to be all right. You know what's interesting to me? Hold on, Pags. Calm down now, Pags. It's going to be okay. Pags, the makeup is literally dripping off you, man. Hold on. You got to look good for your photos. Calm down. Now, now, listen, you literally played seven under 500 teams, and you're going to come out here and tell me that you – and by the way, and by the way, did you beat New England to start off the season by five points? Freaking New England. New England. Let that, let that marinate for a little bit. You struggled against New England. That's like – you know what? It was like watching FSU go against Georgia. All right, guys. Yes, this is, is why great I love to have you here. This is why I, I love having Jason. Where were you at earlier? They didn't want to break it. Jason in. will. Hey, listen, they told Jason. me nine fifteen on this show, and I came in fifteen minutes early, and I'm looking up the show going on for like That's an hour. They treat us, Jason. They treat Jason. us like that. So you guys can Jason, tag team Pags. Wow. Jason is one of the most entertaining, <laughs> one of the most entertaining guests I have, and that's why I love having him on. He'll debate anybody, anytime, anywhere, and and he'll bust your chops if you let him. So he's got some, uh, like he's he's storing the nuts for winter, like he's a chipmunk. Well, yeah, I'm not. Hey, look, hey, listen, damn it, 
My wife don't feed me that often, so I do store up some, some nuts. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on. Great nuts, fruit nuts. I don't, I don't care. Know. I don't know if Jason's real name is McMinn or the McCoy. I'm not sure. I think he's he's from the Hatfield and McCoys. He goes way back there anyway. So, well, the wife is from West Virginia, so let that yeah, marinate for a minute. There you, go. there you are. So, Jason, let's talk. You're a cowboy fan. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, everybody's had. Oh, that. yeah. About what yeah. happened last night. Um, it's too bad it was a controversial call because it was really a good game at the end, and it's, it's too bad it ended in that way. Um, maybe good for the Cowboys. I don't know. But it did look like the two guys went to talk to the official. Number 70 was going towards him. I don't know what happened. Jim was there. Jim Jeffcoat was there. He don't know what happened. And I guess there's no tape of it. So we'll never know what happened. But it's, it, it was it was such a good game that it's a shame it ended on a referee call again. You know, like I always say, man, if you don't want a game to be in a controversial ending, just go out there and kick their ass. I agree. If you don't kick their ass, you just take what you get. Look. As a Cowboys fan, you know, when you watch that Miami game and we lost by the field goal, that wasn't on that, that wasn't on Miami. That was on us because we let them have the last field goal. We should have been kicking their ass a lot more, you know. But I'll tell you, um, with the Cowboys team, I take it this with this specific, uh, well, I should say post-Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer Cowboys, uh, I take them with a grain of salt. Like I was telling Pags the other day on the phone, man, I'm, I'm a realistic Cowboys fan. You know, our biggest thing is not having Jerry Jones as our coach and maybe the, who he or as our owner and, and hiring different people. Our biggest our biggest issue is inconsistency. We've been inconsistency since Jimmy and Barry left the team. We've never been consistent. We'll, we'll do great on defense. We'll do great on offense. We never do it both at the same time. It's it's just been inconsistent, you know, and, and I think Pags has seen that this year in his team. The Eagles are so inconsistent, it's ridiculous. And it's okay, Pags. Hey, we all go through it. We The Cowboys have just gone through it longer than you have, honestly. So like let me ask you a question. Were you guys, were you guys surprised that after that penalty was called that they picked the extra point, that they still went for two? Well, I, I thought it was crazy. I, I'm so, I, I thought it was crazy. You go for two, three times. I'm like, bro, they know they know you're gonna go for two. Just kick the field goal, go to overtime. Yeah, and I agree with everything you guys are saying, but they've won the NFC North. They're already where they want to be. And Campbell was saying, "Hey, I'm gonna teach my team to uh, gamble, and we gambled, and they were gonna do it." I don't agree with it. I didn't agree. I would have kicked it and took it to overtime. But his theory is, is that we're not going to play with scary money. We decided to do this, and this is what we're going to do. I think he got that point across the second time he went for the two-point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at some point, trying to show your team that, that you're willing to gamble and trying to show your team that you're an idiot is two different things. For the Cowboys, he played for the Giants and the Cowboys. So. Yeah, the final play would not have scored. He was, right. he was, he was still yeah, like he would have been. He would have been down. That's he would have not gotten into the end zone. So it really was a, it really was a, a, a bust play that they wound up losing the game right. on. But it's a shame because I think they should have gone for the extra point. It would have been interesting to see it in overtime. Yeah. Before before we get into the picks, we're going to go all on all the picks. I want to get you guys' opinions on some of the the finalists for the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, there are there are Eagles guy, a Cowboys guy, and, and a couple interesting ones to me. So first, Eric Allen, uh, the Eagles cornerback, 
you think he? I think he. I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. We'll go around the go around the panel real quick. Start with Jim. What do you think? You think Eric Allen belongs? I think in the Hall he of does. Fame? Um, Arizona State guy. I know Eric. Know him very well. I think he does belong in there. And uh, he's a he was a, in his era. He was a very good, an excellent. Player. Yeah, I think so, Sonia. I definitely agree, and I I'm actually kind of shocked. You know, he didn't get up here a little sooner, but definitely one one for the record should get in there. Um, excited for him, and, and definitely congratulations are in order for him. I think so too. I I, I think everybody uh, pretty board, much borderline. No worries. Uh, borderline. You said it best. Very very good, but was he a shutdown corner? I mean, like, you, you talk, he was. He was the hall of the very very good. Then he belongs in, but yeah, it could go either way, really. He was a shutdown corner, Jack. Yeah, he was. He was. He not just with the Eagles, but with uh, uh, the Raiders too. Uh, he he was just he was was he, he was part of the gang. Patrick Peterson, for example. I uh, no, but you put him. I put him with uh, you know uh, who was the one like he was just like a small step behind the the guy from the the Redskins. Who was who was the I think no, the safety? Green? Yeah, you I mean I thought he, yes. Like I think that I mean because they played in that same era. I mean Daryl Green was that was the man. Really, like he was probably the best. Well, Darryl Green had such a long career. Come on, and, and but I, I feel like Eric Allen was number two. I feel like he was right behind Daryl Green. I, I can live. I can live with them getting in. I'm saying it's not a slam dunk the way the panel made it out. Oh, absolutely. That, that's my point. We've got Dallas Cowboy Daryl Woodson going in. I already know Jim's uh, Jim's thoughts about this. What do you think, Jason? Is is Woodson definitely a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I, I think he anchored that that secondary uh, during those Super Bowl years, man. I don't know how I, I don't know how you wouldn't let him in. Honestly, uh, I thought he I thought he played extremely well, especially at that safety spot. What do you what do you what do you but think? But he was back? a finalist last year as well. That's why I'm like, wow. Last hopefully this year, year definitely right, gets Jason? in. Last two years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple. Like you said, going back even going back to Eric Allen. Um, you know, the guy was five foot ten, and like you said, he was a shutdown corner. Shutdown corner at five ten. I mean, you know, that's that's pretty amazing, especially when you got bigger receivers you're, that you're going up against. So yeah, I mean, if Eric, Eric Allen definitely is a shoe in to get in, I think he should. I think what Sonia said, he should have been in sooner. I think Woodson should have been in sooner. You know, Woodson in college because he went to Arizona State too was an outside linebacker that could run. Yeah. He was legitimate four three eight. He's all he was a big guy. Yeah, if you look at his stats, his stats are better than Palomala or yeah. John Lynch, and they're already in. Do you, do you think? Do you think? That, uh, do you think that David uh, Hester, Delvin Hester, will get in as a return specials? I mean, he played wide receiver, right? Thank you. And but he was one of the most exciting guys in return. Jack, do you? I don't know if there's any other returner specifically that's in the Hall of Fame right now. You would know better than me. Is there is there anybody like Hester that's in the Hall of Fame? It's just a return. Uh, they, it, not that specialized in that. Mitchell, the Mitchell's not in, right? in NFL history. No, Brian Mitchell is not in. Yeah, that would be the only other person that I could yeah, think of I, that would be close like that. I, but I think you. Yeah, I don't mean to cut you off, Jack, but only because I got to get going here. But I agree. I think Hester absolutely belongs. Yeah. Because he was the human joystick. Yes. 
Yeah, Hester has the the return specialist league history. He got um, NFL records with 19 yeah. kick return touchdowns, 14 punt returns touchdowns, and 20 return touchdowns, which includes punts, kickoffs, missed field goals, and fumbles and interceptions. So he's breaking records across the board. Yeah, a guy like Devin Hester, he was what you paid money to go see in games. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you love yeah. the excitement he brought to. Yeah, the I remember game. him in Atlanta. You're right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I feel like if you're going to set the bar for anybody else to maybe get in under that type of category, that's your bar. That's your bar. You got to get close to that bar because he really did set it high. You yes. can't get close to it in this era because a kickoff is usually going the end zone. Okay, and get, you know, the team starts off on the twenty-five. So he wouldn't yeah, have now, been as dynamic. Mm-hmm. Had he played in this era, he definitely wouldn't have been a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think with his speed, the way he could cut left and right quick on a dime, I mean, it was, that was incredible watching him play. He really was. He really was. When you look back at it, do you imagine how many Miami players are in the Hall of Fame? That's a pretty impressive. Or a little slanted That's against good. other teams. <laughs> all right, Next, guys. Next. I hate to do it. I hate to do it, but I gotta go. So, all right, okay, they're still gonna beat the cap, the Arizona Cardinals. You ain't gotta go nowhere. You just stay right there. They're gonna yeah, be. They're gonna, they're gonna run the card. Oh no! Wait a minute. They did almost lose to New England. You better get your butt out there real quick. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on. Didn't you guys lose to the Cardinals? If I remember that correctly. Yeah, that's why you need to get out there. Because God knows, <laughs> if you lose one game, we're gonna kick your butt and take the division. Right, have a good one. Have a go, my friend. See you next year, Pag. There you go, Pag's the Philly sports guy. Always, always great having him on with us. So let's let's get back to this real quick. We still got some time. Um, uh, we got a uh, tight end, Antonio Gates, that played for San Diego. I think he was at the yeah. time one of the best tight ends in the league. Is he a Hall of Famer though? I like to yeah. hear your opinion on this because I got some questions on this. What do you think? No, I, I like Antonio Gates. I do, man. I, look, he, he it's hard to get the you know in the NFL and catch all those, you know, at the tight end spot. And then I mean, he was, he, football, I, mean right? I mean, he you know, he was right there with Tony Gonzalez when they were starting to transform, you know, the tight end spot to what it is today. I mean, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates. Now you get, I mean, they were the forerunners before we had the Kelseys that would line up in the wide receiver spot, even though they're really a tight end. I mean, that was just one of the pioneering fronts. And I think if anytime you're part of the pioneering front, you know, you got to put them in there. I mean, how many tight ends do you really across the board name, honestly? He only had five more touchdowns. He never got to the Super Bowl. But he's a worthy Hall of Famer. Yeah, and Gates only had five more touchdowns than Tony Gonzalez. And Tony Gonzalez had, I think it was 111. Gates has 116 to lead the, the NFL record. So definitely arguably one of the, the greatest tight ends of all time. My question is, and I, this is why I let you guys speak first, is um, when I look at it, Shannon Sharp, you know, uh, Kellen Winslow, um, Ozzie Newsom, where was he – and you said it, Jason. Was he a game changer? Did he yeah. change the game? We talked about Devin Hester changing the game at that yeah. position. And that's the only question. I know Gates was a good player, but did he change something? When you look at Hall of Famers, they usually are unique players that uh, change the game. 
I think well, some I of it is depending on which teams they were with. People that made them look the way they did. Mark Brown. I think. Oh, Mark, no, Mark Bavaro's no Antonio Gates. I love Mark Bavaro. I think value at their very best, both of them I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Not over whole career. No, yeah. I, I don't I mean, I think it goes back to what it was Sonia was saying. Really, really, you know, like I said, I, I do feel like he was one of the pioneers that helped change the game. But okay. even like, but even like what Sonia said, man, he had five more touchdowns than Tony. I mean, you know, facts are facts; like, they're undisputed. And if he had five more than Tony, and Tony's in there, why would he? There's almost be a slap in the face to the guy if you didn't put him in. Yeah, but uh, both of them didn't have success as going. I don't think Gonzalez has ever been to a Super Bowl. He, I thought he went to this. Didn't he go with uh, Tampa? He went down there to Tampa. Didn't he go with Tampa? No, he was with Kansas City, but they don't. I don't think they got a ring. No, they didn't go. They lost to the Niners that his final uh, year there, and they didn't play. Yeah. I mean, he may have came back for one more year after okay. that. They came really and I'm not well. saying they shouldn't, but they're only going to take a certain amount. Some of those guys, and you got Julius Pepper, who is a yeah. They, they, a lot of quarterbacks get in, and normally, uh, normally their favorite wide receivers they end up fa- going in with them. You know, Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan, and and so on and so forth. So now you, you you've got Reggie Wayne up, Peyton Peyton Manning's his favorite receiver when they were winning all these games. Does he get in the Hall of Fame? Well, Marvin Harrison's in the Hall of Fame, correct? Yes, senior. Yeah. So Wayne was the Wayne a number two. He was for a long time. And then I think yeah. when Harrison left, he tried to make him number one. I don't think he gets in this time. I, I would I would say he's a one A. I don't think he was a two. I think he was a, I think he was a one A. Well, That's yeah, I mean, and I would go with that too. But I'm saying he he did become the one after Harrison exactly. left the team. Then they upgraded him to one, and then that's what. T- but that's all the same time that T. Y. Hilton came into the picture. So and then T. Y. started taking some of his thunder. So that's exactly right. So I think that he doesn't get in. I'm not. I saying think that Jim is is right when he talks about what separates the difference and sometimes it could be statistically what we see on paper and and pen as far as you know the stats speak for themselves but then in this instance with Reggie Wayne he's saying that his you know his playoffs is what separates him from everyone him from everyone else and so it it kind of like the weapons you have around you kind of like what Jay was speaking about earlier it's your team it's not just you solidly so if you're with not the best team that doesn't win a ring does that mean you're not supposed to be in the hall? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. Terry Bradshaw didn't have the greatest stats in the world. Neither Joe Namath. They're both in the Hall of Fame. So I, I, exactly. I guess it has to do. It has to do with what your what teams you're playing, and of course, and how famous you are too. Because and Jack yeah, always famous. did that. Yeah, it's the Hall of Famous also. So I mean, almost like they got the same standards for the Heisman as they do for that. I mean, yeah. I don't yeah. think it really should be on the team itself. I mean, you know, it's not like tennis where you know everything falls on your shoulders. I mean, it's still a team sport. So I mean, they should just look at the position on its own merit and not necessarily how well the team was because you can't control the defense, well, well, yeah. you can't control the quarterback, and you can't control the coaching. Jay, uh, Jim, uh. Thomas on the Cleveland Brown offensive lineman, you know, legendary player was with a bunch of losing teams. Alan, I was just getting ready to give the example of Christian McCaffrey when he was with the Panthers. Yes, he put up numbers, but look how he's exploding now with the 49ers. It doesn't take away from the type of player he is, but when you put a good player with a good team, 
you are allowed to really show your talent and, and get yourself out there on display. And I feel like if McCaffrey was still with the Panthers, especially this year, um, we would have just continued to run him down and perhaps his numbers may not look like what they do now with the 49ers. I'd agree with that. One more for you guys. One more for you guys. Andre Johnson. Yes. I would put Andre, Andre Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, I like Andre. I mean, he you know, he came in with the Texans at a at an expansion level time, and he and he really did uh, help that team out quite a bit. And he was such a strong guy. Yeah, I mean, I good God, that man was strong. He had good hands, good speed, and he was strong. You know, and I mean, his, just his physical abilities, you know, should put him in the Hall of Fame. He was like a TO type. A TO. Yeah, very much a TO type. Just without the attitude and craziness. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he was like TO without the drama. Hopefully, third time will be a charm because this is his third time being a finalist. And so, um, like you all said, he has the physicality to get in, but three times and a charm. There it goes back to what you guys were saying about their teams, the success of their teams. And they did make a couple playoffs, but they never got to the Super Bowls and stuff. Some of these, that's yeah. and some of these guys. Yeah. Right. So, so uh, guys, let's let's start let's go, start going through these picks here. Jack did make a pick on this game. I want to hear the rest of you guys' thoughts. New England getting 13 points. The Patriots have not given up on Bill Belichick. He hasn't lost the locker room. They're still playing very hard, and and, and you're you're gonna have to go beat the Patriots. They're not gonna. They're a very well disciplined team. They don't have a lot of weapons, and that's that's their biggest problem. Do you think that, that uh, starting with Jack, well, you, we already heard from you. Jim, do you think that uh, Patriots can keep it within 13 points? Yes, I do. I think uh, Buffalo is playing well. But like um, the majority of teams in the NFL right now, they have their issues. And they'll win the game, the New England, to keep it under 13. What do you think, Sonia? I, I don't think it's going to be closer than what most people are thinking because um, – Bilicic is supposedly on, you know, the hinge here to be out. And I feel like he has nothing to lose. And he's probably, you know, with the last couple of weeks of the regular season, he's trying to just basically, you know, show who he still has his name. He's still Bilicic. And um, I agree with Jim on this one. Guys, if he hasn't lost the locker room and they're playing hard, why move on from Bill Belichick at the end of the year? I don't get this. Okay. Sometimes you just need to do Sometimes, and that's not a, yeah. a knock against the coach, the present coach, but sometimes you need that different kind of energy. I kind of wonder where this New England team would be if they just started Zappy more earlier in the season rather than waiting towards the end of the season. Because I think Zappy has really turned that team plays better when Zappy's in than when Mac Jones is in. I'm, you know, Mac yeah. Jones hasn't played good. The last time he played good was when Josh McDaniels was there, honestly. And, you know, he just – Bill O'Brien, all these other guys, he just never could adapt to those guys. But Zappi, even without a great office coordinator like McDaniels, he still played incredibly well, and he actually makes the team look better. There was Do a, you think Jones has lost his job? I, I'm oh, hell yeah. If he hasn't lost his job, I think he lost his job in, like, week two. But yeah, I, there was somebody on this panel – who said Zappi should have been the starting quarterback? Zappi is not the answer. He's not going to be starting for New England next. Russell Wilson is there. Hey, someone has to play quarterback. He's just their best option for Dangerous. Now. Anyone's a better option than Mac Jones. 
going to disappoint. He's sappy, knows the program, he's fine. So he's he'll play it out. They'll play it out the rest of the year with Zappy. He hasn't done anything special. He hasn't. Hey, done I, I, I can give you some information, but I don't know if we're ready for this conversation. I don't think Bill Belichick is the best coach in, in, in NFL history. I yeah, think I think that's Brady true. and Josh McDaniels made Bill that's Belichick, true. and then when that's Brady true. left and McDaniels yeah. left, I think Belichick was exposed. We're not gonna we're not gonna do that. This will take 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, that's yeah. for another show. That's for another show. And they said the same thing. Belichick made parcels. That's the only thing I'm gonna say about that. Um Atlanta and Chicago. Uh we've got a couple people taking Chicago. I've been taking Chicago all year in the in the last part of the year anyway. I think they, they're a very very good team. I don't think they're a playoff team. I think they're on the precipice of doing something. If they keep the same quarterback, keep going the same direction, I think they're going to be competing next year for a wild card. Uh, they're still, believe it or not, alive for a wild card right now. That's not going to happen. I'm telling you, I think Fields, I think the offense is playing well and that defense is underrated. I think Chicago can beat Atlanta uh, easily. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Jim? I agree with you. I think Chicago can win this game, and I'm I've been a big Justin Fields fan for a while back. I thought he was getting better, but he, the people around him are getting better. So I think in the defense plays pretty good. The best uh, trade of the year was getting sweat. That is really helping him. I mean, he's leading two teams in sacks. So I would yeah. go with Chicago. Yeah. Sonia, you agree with that? <laughs> yes, I'm going to go with Chicago. And, and in addition to that, um, like you both have already said, um, Chicago is turning their their you know their season around. Even though they're fourth in their division, they seem to be turning their season around. Justin Fields seems to be more pleased, and in fact, um, the general manager just has said, even though Everfluis was has been on the chopping block, that he's actually going to come back next season. So that's got to be you know to know that this team is going to pretty much stay intact. Of course, they got DJ Moore, a little weapon from us from the Panthers. And they're getting a number one pick next year. Um, they could win or lose. They still are where they are. But right now, um, I feel like they definitely get it done. I don't think it's going to be a huge scoring game. I think that Chicago may show their old defensive side that we've known them for for the years. And um, it's going to be showdown in the Windy City today. Jack took Chicago, so he's got on the trade too. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I think the only reason that Chicago wins this game is because Atlanta doesn't have a field general. If Atlanta actually had a quarterback, then I'm going Atlanta all day, every day with over this over this uh, Bears team. But because they lack a quarterback, you know, you got to go uh, automatically with Chicago, especially since the game is in Chicago as well. I, the, 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 the Raiders are really interesting. Uh, me and Jim are jumping on them this week against the Colts at home. And it's not the Colts have been – playing bad i just like the way the raiders have been playing they're playing aggressive for for antonio pierce here uh they believe in something the coaches believe in something they, they're all believing uh if they win these next two games and we brought this up and, and you know, the chiefs lose the last two games i mean this is going to be crazy that you know antonio pierce steps in and all of a sudden they're they're a playoff team um like i said me and jim took that what do you think son you think the you think the raiders can pull this off I think, like you just said, I think they're playing for keeps with um, Antonio Pierce at the helm. I think they are trying to sneak in there. I think that um, that it's the end. Um, Devontae Adams 
had only, you know, in the past, he had 28 yards against the Colts previously, but this is his fifth season with over a thousand receiving yards. Um, and with the 28 yards that he has, he's trying to notch his fourth consecutive season with over a thousand yards tied for the second longest active streak in the NFL. And um, I think that today they are definitely trying to go ahead and get this win. Um, the momentum is there. There's a push for Antonio Pierce to be named the head coach. And um, those Raiders just have that morale. And it's, it's just riding high right now for them, in my opinion. My baby is the from, uh, my baby is huh? from, so she's from Compton. So she told okay. me that Antonio Pierce is from Compton. And he was a lifetime Raider. Yeah, I think the Raiders are going to win today. I think they're going to win something like 17-14. I'm not that high in the Colts. As far as Antonio Pierce goes, he's got to win in the last two games. I, I'm sick of hearing about these interim coaches. They come in, they do better than the guy they replaced, and everyone jumps on the bandwagon. If you want to be the full-time coach, grab the job. It happened with Steve Wilkes at Carolina last year. They didn't win the division, bottom line. He did okay, but not enough to force the issue where they had to rehire him, okay? And they didn't at Carolina. They moved on. Same thing with Antonio Pierce. If they split their next two games, I'm going to say you did okay, but you're not my first choice. If the Raiders win their next two games, and especially if the Chiefs collapse, they get in the playoffs, how can Mark Davis not bring them back? Force the issue if you're Antonio Pierce. Let your players force the issue for you if they want you bad enough by winning the next two games. And I think that's what we're saying, Jack. We think they right. force the issue. Well, I, Jack, Jack has, has got spiritual on there for a minute there. He almost was like it was like a new thing that Jack was doing. It. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um. I think the Raiders, especially with the way Zamir White is uh, playing in the absence of uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, is just showing you how, like you said, they're buying into the system. And uh, I do think the momentum obviously is on that Raiders side. I think they have something to prove, and I think they have a new mentality over in that team right now. And so that's a, that's a hard thing to go up against. I'm not a big believer in Garner Mitchell. He's been subpar. He's been okay. But uh, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think the Raiders come in there, and I think they steal it from him. All right. Let's get to some of the bigger games because we're getting we're at 15 minutes yeah, before the hour. Let's 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 talk about Miami and Baltimore. Miami Waddle will be out for the game. Um, Miami's defense. Oh, would be Raheem Mosher's out, correct? The the running back. I don't know. I know Waddle is for sure. I wasn't tracking Moster. I was tracking Waddle. Yeah, but but their defense is a lot better than people think. Their running game is a lot better than people think. Baltimore. They're, they're just, they just look unstoppable right at this point. Um, can Miami go in there? I'm, I'm taking Baltimore. Uh, me and Jim are, I think, are taking Baltimore. Me, Jim, and Linda. So, Sonia, can Miami go in there and beat Baltimore? I don't see it happening. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, Miami is going to be in Baltimore. They're going to have the home advantage. Sometimes that could just be the edge that's needed. Um, Lamar Jackson right now is on fire. Um, we saw how they literally just – it was just really bad against the 49ers, who basically, for all intents and purposes, everyone has deemed the kings of the NFC for quite a while. Um, they seemed unstoppable, and I just think that Baltimore's offense and defense combined is a legal – excuse me, lethal combination that will um, – 
definitely get it done. I don't think it's going to be as bad as with the 49ers because I think even though Waddle is out, A-Chain and um, Tua down there seem to still kind of get everything done the way they need to. But at the end of the day, I, I think that Baltimore at home has this one. Jason, big to me, this is the biggest year right now for for uh, for Jackson. You know, he's he looks like he's on the best team. He was MVP a couple for a couple of years. He's going into playoffs. He hasn't been able to really do nothing. This is like a playoff game, and it seemed to me that Jackson always puts pressure on himself in big games. He he, he tries to take it all himself. This year, he's got players around him. Can he? Not just today, but in the playoffs, because you won't be with us. Do you do you think that Jackson can, can finally say, "Hey, I'm going to put it in other people's hands instead of mine, and let's go win this as a team"? Do you think he can do that? Yeah, I think I think he's already proven that he can do that. We all know that Mark Andrews, when Mark An- that was his number one guy, mm-hmm. and when Mark Andrews went down, I really thought that was going to be the you know the the, 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 the break the, the straw that broke their back, but they didn't. Zay Flowers, everybody else has come up. So, yeah, I, I think he's already proven that he doesn't need Mark Andrews to win games. And secondly, um, James, you're right. Uh, Mostert is questionable, but not expected to play Sunday with that knee and ankle issue. So, no, he's like, I don't think it's good. So, will be Acne that will, or Ashne, however you say his name. He's going to wind up taking up his spot. I'll tell you, when they go up against Baltimore, you better have it all hands on deck. This is the hottest team in the AFC. Hell, maybe even the hottest team in the NFL, period. And, and I don't think if you go in there without Waddle and you got a, a still recovering Tyree kill, Mostert's out and you're going that's a lot. That's a lot to take on. And you're playing in Baltimore on top of that. Um, so no, I, I think it's gonna be a good game, but I don't expect them to be Baltimore. It might it might be the danger of the Ravens having a letdown because it was such a big game going into San Francisco last week. They really had something to prove. You kind of wonder how up they're going to be for this game. But the stakes are so high because if the Ravens lose, Miami could actually wind up getting the bye at the end of the year. So I, they have to clinch that bye, you know, the Ravens to top but, seed. And but, for Miami, they could actually lose out to Buffalo, the division, if they lose this game and then lose the final game of yeah, the season. Yeah, but the thing that is interesting, nobody's talking about Harbaugh as coach of the year and what they've done. For that that team, yeah. I mean, he's he's coaching very well. Yeah, I thought you had Mike McCarthy as coach of the year. Damn, damn. <laughs> not not in this We got Pittsburgh. Okay, let's get up with the face. I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> we got Pitt, Pittsburgh at Seattle, and and of course Tomlin again looks like he's going to add that team over 500. I don't think it's a big deal anymore. He's done that so many years. They got to start winning playoff games and, and getting back to the Super Bowl for me. But Pittsburgh comes in. They put in they put in Mason Rudolph, plays a great game. They're gonna go and they're gonna play Seattle. Uh Seattle's defense is iffy sometimes. Pittsburgh, we know, has a great defense. Seattle has some some big time receivers on the other side. I think it's gonna be a real close game. I like Seattle winning it maybe by a couple field goals at home, but what do you think, Sonia? Do you think that do you think that the, the Steelers can go in there upset Seattle? I really do think the Steelers can. Um, I, I often say Mike Tomlin kind of has this magician hat always with him. Um, both of them are vying for a playoff spot, so I know this is this is, in my opinion, probably the game game of a week, especially with that that much of a what's riding on the line for both of those teams. Um, 
It's just, it's to me, I'm just not sold that Seattle can pull this one off. I know how Mike Tomlin gets towards the end of the season, and this is that time of the season. And if he can eke his him and his team in, he will definitely be doing that. And, um, yeah, I think they can pull it off even in Seattle today. Jack, you agree with that? I like Seattle. I think that's one team that slipped under the radar that could go into the playoffs and actually cause some damage. I think people are going to sleep on Seattle. As far as Pittsburgh headed towards a winning record with Tomlin, they've got to win one of their last two. So if they lose this game, then they've got to win next week. So Tomlin might not actually get that winning record finally. But I like Seattle. Tough place to play. Very tough Jimmy, place to play. Jim, I know. Get I know. It done I know. I know you like I know you like the Steelers a lot. You like the physical brand they bring. Can they out physical Seattle and win this game? No, no. I think they got some issues because you got Metcalf, Lockett, and um, Jackson Smith, and I think that's going to be too much for the Steelers. I think that those guys are going to really show up. Uh, their running game is suspect for this uh, Seattle, but I think they're going to do enough to win this game. Um, I don't think they can cover those receivers. Okay. All right. How about you, Jason? What do you think? I mean, James isn't wrong. I mean, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick is out of the game. Uh, Trent Thompson's out of the game. So now they got Peterson and they got Joy Porter Jr. pulling things down. But still, you know, you had a question not long ago about Pickens and who the issue was with Pickens. And I think we all saw who the issue was with Pickens. It wasn't game playing. It wasn't Pickens himself. It was Pickett. Yeah. He'll always pick it. You get Mason Rudolph coming there, and they, he makes pickets look like the best thing since the, since the rising of Jesus Christ uh, at Easter. You, you know, I mean, come on. So I think if Rudolph can continue to get pickings involved, TJ Watt can continue to get pressure on the Geno Smith. They have a, they have the ability to, to beat them. You know, Jalen Warren and Najee, if they can if they can hold down the run game. I like Warren. I like Warren more than I do Najee Smith. And I like him when they, every time that guy comes in the game, he's I a good pick of pace. Yeah, he got last year before he got injured. Yes. Yes. And and I, I gotta be honest with you, I, I like the like I said, I like the run game, I like the coaching. Uh, how many go Steelers on this one? And I, and I think it's going to be Mason Rudolph and Pickett and company. I, I I thought I would get I would get one Pittsburgh uh, vote out of this panel at least because they are a very solid team. Uh, guys, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna close it down. Most interesting game to me though is Kansas City and Cincinnati. If Kansas City loses this game to Cincinnati, this may be the biggest implosion in football in a long time. And I, I think what happened, and, and correct me if I'm wrong real quick, I think is this Kansas City's front office ball. They let too many people go. They didn't bring in enough uh, enough talent to keep that team the way it was. They let the tackles go. They let the cheetah go. They let a lot of people go that were really key, and they didn't replace them, or who they replaced them with didn't work out. So right now you've got a good quarterback, a very good quarterback, a very average to below average wide receiving team, and you got a, bit, a, a very average to maybe below average offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's why they're losing. Joe. What do you think? Joe? Careful, Jack. You're going to have Kelsey oh, call me. I, I don't get this. The last four years, okay, they went to three Super Bowls, one, two, and the one year they didn't go to the Super Bowl, they lost in overtime in the AFC Championship game, and we're criticizing the front office. 
Patrick Mahomes didn't have to receive his last year when they won the Super Bowl. They moved on from Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs have hit a bad patch. Receivers are dropping balls all over the place. Or, you know, silly penalties, which is not characteristic. That's exactly what I'm saying. They didn't prove, they didn't replace Juju Swisser. They didn't replace some of the other guys that were there. They got they got they got pretty funny Tony. Tony did a great job. Yes, he did. Um <laughs> Well, I'm a guys, yeah, yeah. Guys, we've got a yeah, I know that's Jack's book. Hold on, Jack. I gotta say one thing. Just give me one second, Jack. Look, the problem with Kansas City, y'all want to blame everybody. Let's just cut the crap. The problem with Kansas City Chiefs is Taylor freaking Swift. Okay. Okay. Oh, no, seriously. Seriously. Hey, James. Hey, what happened to Romo when uh what's her name came in the picture? What happened to Lamar Odom when the Kardashians came into the picture? Every time these athletes give it to celebrity, they go out the window. The whole damn team goes out. Watch a videotape. Well, Jason. Jason did bring up some good examples. They really did. And Jason, thanks for coming on. I'm glad I had you in here before the New Year's. Huh. It was out. great having you, Jason. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's a great guest. Yeah, yeah, I, I love you, brother. Well, right, you must have been. Wait, could you at least say a teenager? <laughs> yeah, teenager. Let's get it. Yeah, he was 13. Anyway, uh, guys, have a great have a great New Year's. We'll hey, see you. Thanks for all the guests. Thanks for all happy the comments. Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy New Year's. Everyone, happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.